The following audio content is a talk from Convergence, a service for young adults at University Presbyterian Church in Seattle, Washington. For more information, please visit our website at upc.org forward slash young adults. I am glad you're here. We're, we're going to do something a little different tonight. Um, we're continuing through our whole series on ambition. And uh, what, I, what we're going to do this evening is, is have uh, what Dave and I have kind of you know, we kind of risk sometimes on this whole idea of convergence, but this idea of a convergence talk in which you can have a couple people come at a passage from slightly dif- different angles. And what we want to do is we're going to look at, at this ambitious prayer that Paul has and just be able to share, not so much of a formal talk, but be able to share a little bit on our heart. What grabs us about this? Uh, if you, just to remind us where we're at, we're looking at the topic of, topic of ambition because we're, ambition is built into who we are. I mean, it's just what we're about. We want to become something. We want to do something. We don't want to just kind of slink down. We want to grow. We want to go for it, whatever that means. The issue is how that ambition is guided. Okay, we've looked at a, a, number of different, uh, a number of different aspects on that from how do we have kind of rhythm in our lives? How do we discern what God is doing? What should our focus be? And we even heard Thomas come and share a little bit out of his story of, of what does that look like when you kind of uh, Monday through Friday, and especially for him as he's been in the middle of kind of the, the Washington Mutual uh, collapse. What is ambition and, and how does God work in the midst of that? Well, what we're going to do is we're going we're gonna to look in Colossians. If you want to open your Bibles to Colossians 1, I encourage you to do so. Uh, it'll be up on the screen. But we're going to read through this prayer and then uh, we'll reflect on both of it and, and kind of talk about some implications that it might have, that there might be there for us uh, as a community. And here's my challenge to you. Uh, take a cue kind of from what Dave and I are doing uh, this evening as we, uh, as we kind of share our thoughts. As we're going through, even right now, think, ask the question, what is it that grabs me about this passage in Colossians 1? What is it that, that captures my imagination? What is it that I go, if only I could get a hold of this, if only we could get a hold of of this, it would change things dramatically. Mm. I want you to think about what, what is the one thing that, that grabs your attention? And then my challenge is that you find one person afterwards, uh, whether it be when you go out or, or, or afterwards and go up and say, hey, this is what captured me about this passage. This is what maybe I even had a question about with this passage. What captured you? And as we, as we do that together, we can begin to dream together and, and together we will fill out in community, we're meant to come around these, these scriptures in community. We'll fill out perhaps what God might have in store for us. So Colossians chapter 1, and I'm going to begin uh, in verse 6, because it's important for us, I think, in the sense of context. But before I do that, I'm just going to pray uh, for us as we jump in. Lord God, I thank you for these letters that Paul wrote to uh, churches a long time ago, having no idea that, that we would be reading them thousands of years later. He he pours out his heart, and in these letters we, we get uh, sometimes the dirty underbelly of what's happening in the church, that it wasn't perfect, that there was stuff that was going on, that there were difficulties, even right from the beginning, and yet there's amazing things that you were doing in and through them. Lord, I pray that, that as you inspired Paul by your Holy Spirit to, to write these words down, that you, that same Holy Spirit would make them jump out of the page to us to now and speak into where we are at. Lord, we thank you for your word, and we ask that, that you be our teacher this evening. In your name, amen. amen. All right, beginning in verse 6. All over the world, this gospel, because Paul is essentially saying, hey, listen, this gospel that you, that you heard, 
uh, it, it started with you, and then he goes on, it gets bigger. He says, all over the world, this gospel is bearing fruit and growing just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and understood it by God's grace in all of its truth. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you and asking that God would fill you with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And we pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and may please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience, and joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Dad, would you actually give me a uh, cup of water? Go ahead. Uh, yeah, how can you just not take how can you take that seriously? Here's the thing. These pass I, I love this thing, but I also get that when sometimes when we look at these passages, they, they can kind of glaze over us because Paul is the master. I mean, this might be the inspired word of God, but Paul is the master of the run on sentence. Right? The guy has no idea when to stop. He just keeps going and going and going in. And by the way, and by the way, and by the way, and by the way, and by the way. But, but I love it because in some ways, what you do, you get here is the passion of Paul. Right? It, this isn't kind of carefully stilted cut language. This is him just pouring out his heart. Thanks, buddy. You do look good. Dude, you do look good, bro. It's awesome. And, and I love Paul's prayer, and this is why. I love Paul's prayer because his prayer is unbelievably ambitious, audacious, and I'm actually saying intimidating if I were to take it seriously. It, it scares me a little bit. The thing that I love about it, though, is that, that Jesus is right at the center of this thing, and it's not a Jesus that we can somehow tuck away, that we can somehow kind of say, you know, Yes, Jesus, and he's a nice Jesus, and, and he kind of fits up really nice on a flannel graph or on the wall or on a stained glass window. No, this is a Jesus from whom everything is like a big vortex spins around him. Nothing can be the same with the Jesus that Paul is talking about. There is this sense when we interact with the Jesus that, that Paul is speaking of that we get, a, we get kind of insight into what C.S. Lewis was trying to accomplish when he uses that famous quote, uh, out of the Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe that you've heard, I'm sure you've heard before, when Aslan is imaged as Jesus Christ, and the children begin to go into this fantastic world, and they, they hear about this, this lion, and they ask some of the creatures there, well, is he safe? To which the creatures, I believe it was the beavers, you can correct me if I'm wrong, look back at this little child and go, safe, are you kidding me? No, he's not safe, but he's good. Safe. He's safe in the sense of, uh, of yes, it's not like we're gonna something bad will happen to us, but safe, no, he's not safe in the sense that we're not going to be able to walk away. There, there aren't the, the things in our lives that don't belong there that Jesus is going to just look and go, well, that's okay, I don't really care. You know what, you're, you're fine. But Jesus, Jesus will not let us alone. And Paul is passionate as he begins to speak to the Colossians because... He's trying to get them to get a hold of this. You can't just kind of put Jesus up on a shelf. He's not just another nice idea to, to, to sort of fit in with your spirituality. As he's talking to the Colossians, what he's trying to get them, he said, look, don't buy into 
to kind of the, the philosophies that are out there that, that are saying, hey, Jesus and this and this and this and this. Don't get duped by those. Jesus is at the center of all things and He is, wants to radically change your life. Listen, I, I'm going to get passionate because I want you to know a Jesus that is not just kind of there on the side. He kind of did something at some point. But he wants to. I, I want you to know the knowledge that can come as your life is transformed through Jesus. I want you to have a depth of insight in which you can see beyond the fluff into what is really real. I want you to know that there, this goes much more beyond this, the joy that comes out of when, when you put your faith in Jesus. That that was only the beginning. God's got something big for you. I want you to know power, strength, endurance that go way beyond what you can do. I want you to know a joy that absolutely overflows as you begin to comprehend, as you begin to scratch below the surface of what God has done for you. I want you to live a life worthy. And what I love about that is that to even say that we should live a life worthy of God is to say that God expects huge things out of us. If someone says, hey, I, I, want, I want you to... It's like if a coach were to, to call you out and say, hey, look, you're doing okay, but you can do better. In the midst of that, that might, that might come across as like a little bit harsh for us, but think about what is being said in the midst of that. As a coach says, get out there and get it. You can do better. What they're saying is, I believe that you can accomplish so much more than what you're doing right now. And so when we hear that Paul says, I want you to live a life worthy of the calling, it means that there's a huge calling. That God has unbelievable things in store for us. This, for me, has captured what my ambition is. If I were to get up here and say, here's my ambition, this is my ambition. Okay, And mixed in with ambition can be all kinds of things. And I pray that God continues to work in my life and purify me and guide me on in the right direction, that, that the wrong things don't come in and guide us, even in the midst of something that comes off as spiritual. But this is my ambition. This has been my prayer since childhood. Man, I, can, I can think... I, I, right now, in, the, in my mind, is a picture of our church and our high school where I grew up. When I began to look, what could happen if we could get a hold of this? If Jesus became something we didn't just argue about it on a Sunday or politics that we'd engage with or, or some of the, just the, the crazy stuff that we do when we come together as communities, what if this Jesus got a hold of our lives? What could happen in Julian, this little town I grew up in? Think of the impact that it can have. I can think of the people who need to know of the grace and the truth that comes in Jesus, that need to know this power, that need to know that they are built for something so much more than what they realize. It's the same passion that continued on through college ministry and my time at the inn. Through my time at Furwood, it kept building and building. Through my time uh, at seminary, to my time here as I got the absolute privilege of walking with this community and with many of you now for three years. This is my ambition. I, I want to know this. I'm not, I'm not getting up here and saying, I, listen, this is something I, I want from you. I've mastered this. No, I want to know this. Mm-hmm. I'm hungry for it. I'm thirsty for it. But I, I want you to know this as well. I, I want you to be able to to get a hold of this Jesus that is going to turn your world upside down. I want to bear witness to a God that is undoing lives. And this is what I mean by that. Undoing lives in the sense that, that He's going to undo the small vision that you have for your life. 
And he's going to replace it with something that is bigger than you ever even imagined. Undoing in the sense that you're going to be freed from the things that are taking you captive, that are binding you. Whether it is sin, whether it is relationships, whether it is something out of your past that feels like it cannot be fixed, that it cannot be redeemed, that you cannot be forgiven. I want to see the lies that are binding you down undone. That's what I mean. I want to bear witness to the joy that comes as you begin to get it, to scratch the surface of what God has for you. I want to bear witness to that, and I've gotten to over these last couple of years. It's what drives me. It's what keeps me going. As, I, as I've walked alongside some of you who have taken unbelievable steps of courage to let go of some of the lies in your own life, to, to move beyond some of the sin that has so entangled you, to begin to believe what is actually true about you. I've seen people changed like a, like a whole different person from when you saw them when they were held under sin to when they began to, to confess that, receive God's forgiveness, and begin to, to live into the grace that God has. It's like a whole different person. I, I've seen people go on mission trips and have their world turned upside down so when they come back, they go, I cannot live the way that I was living before. It has to look different because I've got a vision that is so much bigger than what I was settling for. I've seen people, I've seen people move into places of maturity where they begin to understand their gifts in new ways and, and begin to understand the joy that comes with that. As they begin to see their place within God's kingdom. It's been awesome. It's been difficult. Man, there have been times where we have walked, I've walked through some hard things with some of you guys, and yet the thing that keeps me going, the thing that puts a smile on my face when I come back is I get to say, listen to this conversation that I had as someone began to courageously explore faith today. It's been awesome. Here's the thing, though, that, that Paul is not done. He goes on and he makes these... And this is where it gets audacious. This is where it gets scary. He says, that, look, Jesus is over all, before all. He's redeeming all. Which is to say, and we could spend a lot of time looking at that, simply that Jesus, that this thing is not a personal and private matter, but this has implications. The thing that Jesus wants to do is not just transform your life, turn you inside out, upside down, right side up. This thing has cosmic implications. And cosmic in the sense that it, throughout the whole world, it's not about this, what goes on in this room and in our hearts. It's about what happens in our community and then what happens in Seattle and then what happens throughout the world as we begin to push into this and realize that, that, that Jesus is over absolutely everything. And that is an audacious thing to say. Especially in a world that often seems so broken. But what it means also is that there is no place that God does not want to put His mark of redemption. And ultimately will. He is going to pull back every power principality there is. And this is why I love Thomas coming in here and sharing his story with you. Because if there is any power in our world today, that we could tangibly look at it, it is corporations. And, co- and God is not throwing away corporations. God is redeeming corporations. And I'll take a guy like Thomas, who, is, who got up here and would admit boldly that he has not got it, gotten it perfect, but I'll take a guy like that that is, that is doing his absolute best, that is being as faithful as he can, and is sitting in the midst of a, of a storm oftentimes, any day, from somebody who just wants to sit in a pew. Any day. God's 
plans are huge, and he has some huge giants for us to contend with. And lastly, I'll say this. Going to the very first thing we said, this gospel, this thing that is all over the world that is bearing fruit. The thing that I have loved and the thing that gives me hope for the church, because let's be honest, the church so often has made some terrible mistakes. It's not perfect, it's messy. And yet the thing that I love is that what God is doing, His kingdom, that this work in the world is always bigger than a particular church program or group or denomination. It is all over the place. The question is not, is God going to work? And, and if we don't do it, God's not going to be able to work. But it, it's where is God working and how can we keep up with Him? I was reading something that uh, the other day from, from Mars Hill. And I'm going to throw out, I want to get props from Mars Hill on this because the, part of the quote is they were sharing something of what they feel like they're going is that they said, listen, Jesus is running all out and we're doing everything we can to keep up with Him. I couldn't have said it better. They're doing what they feel like God is calling them to do. It's part of this bigger kingdom project. My question is, what can we do? Because that's absolutely, I couldn't put it better. God is running all out. He's not backing down. He's running all out and he is doing something right now that he's calling us to join. So what are we going to do as a community? That's my question. What is the role that we have to play? Now, many of you have journeyed with me. And so what we're going into is simply just another step. We started a couple of years ago. And some of you jumped in having no idea what we were going to go along. And you journeyed with me, probably having no idea where I'm going. And to be honest, sometimes I wasn't sure where I was going. But God was leading us. There have been people that have put aside a lot of their personal time to be able to build up this community into the thing that God wants to do. So here's my sense. Here's what I want to just share with you briefly about but what, we might, what we're going to push into in this uh, next year. How we can be a place, a community, in which together um, we can be a place that, that, that gives a sign of this kingdom, this new thing that is breaking out among us, together in worship and as we're scattered abroad. So let me just share a couple things. You'll have to excuse my, my graphics, but the idea is I just want you to get the sense of how can we do this because there's a lot of ways for us to interact and be community together. Okay, the first thing is this, is that we can experience what God's doing. We can experience worship and celebration. That's what we do when you, you just come into a, a worship service or, or you you come to Convergence and we just come together. You just walk in the door and you get to an opportunity to experience worship that hopefully gives you a vision that challenges what you just walked from and what you're going into. And there's a lot of folks that have come in for the very first time and they're just wondering, what is this about? And I'll just come in and see. And that's great. That's part of it. My hope, though, is that we would be able to move uh, beyond that, into a place where we can begin to experience community. Because we can sit isolated in the back row, and, and that's okay. And, and by the way, if that's you, I totally get it. You might be coming from all kinds of places in which it, you everything you have just to come and be here, and, and for you just to come and see, and that, that is perfect. But, but for some of us, because this is who we are as people. We're not, we need different levels of, of engagement as a community. And, and so, yes, we need to be together. We need to celebrate. But then also, we need, to, we need to go closer and closer into places where we can be known and know others. So the second level would be this, that we would have opportunities to experience community. And many of you have worked really hard to, prov- to provide those opportunities. 
So those would be things like this, that, that we can move from celebration into things like retreats and camping and, and Bible studies and mission trips and service nights and Habitat for Humanity. We, we can engage with the arts. We can have young married get-togethers. We can have dinners together. That We can be able to move into a place of communion where we can begin to get to know each other a little bit better, to experience something together. As we go down, we build homes, for instance, in South Seattle. But then... For that, there will be some of you that will want to go a little bit deeper. And for us, then how can we move to have opportunities to experience serving and leading? Actually, let me back up real, real quick. Let me say this. Because sometimes we think that the best thing that you can do in church is simply to have a, a really big worship gathering. That, that's the only way to explore faith. And that's not true at all. The church is so much bigger than a worship service. A worship service is vital. But we're church together when we're out experiencing community. I know that for some of you, and for some of your friends perhaps, that the entry point for them to begin to explore what this looks like is in doing something like a service night. That you might, In fact, I know there are people in this room that connected with this community for the very first time, not through worship, but by coming out on a service night. That there will be some of... Your friends, perhaps, that, that might go and, and serve at a habitat site but would never step foot in a church because for all kinds of reasons that I won't go into. And that, that's great. That's an, that's an entry point. But then how can we also experience serving and leading that, that once we've, we've gone and we've experienced community, how can we get to a place where we really start actually giving back and, and creating some of those opportunities? And so for that, I mentioned a little bit last week, it, for, those, for uh, ministries that will be a part of Convergence, we'll have ministry teams. And those ministry teams will just be folks that are saying, hey, look, I want to do something like let's take service nights. Or even the worship team. I want to play on worship. Great. That's huge. Play and worship. Be part, of the, be part of the worship team. Lead us. Serve us each week so that we can be able to connect with God. Those teams will be open so that people can come and go. Like if you have to leave mid-year, that's okay. You still can serve. If you come in mid-year, that's okay. You still can serve. But those teams will then be led by a ministry core, a, a group of people who will say, listen, we're, regardless of who comes and goes, we're going to commit to making this happen this year, to creating opportunities for a wider team to engage. And then lastly, for some of us, we'll be ready to experience a, a more formal sense of discipleship. Now, here's the deal. We can experience discipleship at all levels. And discipleship is simply this. Coming to understand more and more who Jesus is and growing to look like Him. Jesus is over and through and working in all of this. But for some of us, and I was encouraged last week to hear some of you come up and go, this is exactly what I've been looking for. A more formal way for me to engage, to to schedule my life around growth, to prioritize growth in the midst of, of busy lives. So that's where we get to this convergence discipleship. And just real briefly... Going over what we talked about last week, the whole goal of that is that we would grow in wisdom and in the knowledge of God. That we better understand our gifts and our role within the body, and then so fully engaged by the power of the Spirit in our individual and corporate callings. God has called us individually, but He's also called us as a people. And so how can we figure out, how do we fit in, how do we fit in those two roles? God has gifted you uniquely to use your gifts to glorify Him wherever they are at. Sometimes you're going to use those gifts at work. Sometimes you're going to use them in a volunteer. Sometimes you're going to use them in coming alongside a friend. Doesn't matter. It's not the, it's not the, it, God is asking you to glorify Him in every avenue of your life. The issue is how do I take the gifts that I have and then use them 
to glorify God in that moment. So the process, and we went over that briefly, is this. If you want to enter into this process, and this is, again, this is not for everyone. Some of you have a great small group, and you're connected, and you feel like that. Some of you go, man, I just would like to serve. That's all the time I have. Great. Some of you go, man, I just need to be here and rest a little bit. That's great. Some of you are feeling just absolutely too busy, and you are. It's a season of your life where you're just having to run all out, and if you could just come and worship with us, awesome. I love it. But for those who want to prioritize growth and be able to say, I want to push into something a little more formal, here's the process. One, to meet weekly with a discipleship group led by a mentor. Now, the whole idea is that these are all people who are saying, look, I want to grow. Okay, It's a group of people who are not like just sort of maybe in or out, but people are saying, look, I am here and I want to grow. And the idea is that you're going to meet weekly and you're going to do it for, you're going to commit for a year because I guarantee what's going to happen is there will be moments when it's going to get difficult and you're going to want to check out. But if you do, you're going to miss the gold that God has for you. If you bail out when it gets difficult, guaranteed, you will not get what God really wants to do. And that's going to be led by a mentor. Somebody. Here's where, as I begin to share some of this, this is another reason why I have Dave getting up here. As I begin to share some of this and think about how can we, how can we press into what God has for us, especially this process. I have people that are get so excited about it. That's one of the reasons I know that I'm on the right track. People go, oh, I have older adults that are dying for an opportunity to invest in you guys. I, this elder, this amazing elder, one of, this coolest gal in the world got, met, got together with me. I didn't mention anything about this. She says, listen, I just want to talk to you about God's doing something in my life. I, I don't know... What it, what it is. But I feel like there's a, there's a place of ministry, a place where I, I want to be able to, to give back. And I said, well, what do you think about this? And it was like, bingo. That's it. That's awesome. That's one of those things when you realize, man, this is bigger than what I'm about. I have somebody, I got together with a, somebody, and I don't know if this person will ultimately connect with us or, or not. But it's one of those things where you start to go, I think we're getting on the right track. This is that sense that the gospel is at work all around us. This person who's an entrepreneur, it's a CEO of his own company, connected through a friend that, that I've, uh, a longtime friend that I've had here at UPC, and we've kind of walked together. He's another entrepreneur, another CEO, and he basically is saying, look, God is doing something, and I hear you work with 20s and 30s, and I just want to know how I can be involved. We've got to jump on this. God is doing something amazing. I want to know how I can invest. And you're like, well, what do you think about this? That would be awesome. I'll do it. You see, you see what I'm saying? So it's like when I, I run into Dave, and Dave and I have been talking about this for a long time. Amber and I have been talking about this since we started. So all that to say is, this is something that is not just kind of, I just pulled this out and, and came up with it. This is something that has been we've been working on for a while. Okay, the second thing is this, that you engage your gifts and service, and that can be here in a, in a ministry uh, team, leading, uh, part of a ministry core leading a team. Or if you're, if you're plugged in somewhere and you feel called to that, I mean, there's some of you that are involved in different ministries throughout the church here on, on, tasks, on task forces. Uh, or you're involved in, in a ministry outside or, or, or perhaps you, you think, man, I would love to just monthly get together with the people. I know there's a couple Christians at my place of work. I'd like to get together and pray together, look into God's Word, and figure out what God has for us in this particular company. That's what I really feel called to. I don't know if it's what you mentioned, but I feel called to that. Great. 
For some of you, you might just be going, man, I'm already doing, I'm pouring myself out, I'm investing my gifts, but I'm just looking for something that can invest in me. That's great. We just want you to engage your gifts on a regular basis. Second is to attend two retreats for equipping and vision. The first one will be in the end end of summer as well. We'll kind of, we'll get together, we'll get a sense of vision, a sense of equipping for what's in store for us, and then a one-day one where we just kind of, again, rally uh, in uh, the winter and then monthly, and not every month, but approximately monthly, uh, large group gatherings. Well, we'll move from being in a small group to, to gathering all together to say, okay, let's press into some theology, let's press into spirituality and figure out what is Jesus doing among us and how can we together discuss what God is doing because God is going to be popping up all over the places as we engage in ministry. So that's the, that's the process. That, that's some of my heart. That, that's... Essentially, I wanted to give you a little... I I shared some of that with you last week, but I wanted to give you, for me, kind of what is driving this, what what is the vision behind it. Um, So, Dave, I'm going to ask you now. I I kind of gave him a bunch of, uh, you know, I kind of went through some of the logistics of some of this deal. But we've talked to tons about this. Um, I know that this prayer is one of those things that resonates with you as we think about this. Share, would you share kind of what comes out, what pops out mm-hmm. for you? Sure. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But let me say that, man, I'm telling you, I don't think I need to say anything from what you've said. I so feel like you've done a great job of putting it. Basically, I asked Dave to come in here and mop up my mess afterwards. It's always good to have a... That's what community's for, right? we got to yeah. bring to the specs. Here's the thing that I think is really key about this passage. And John, this has been on John's. John brought this passage to me and said, Dave, I want you to read this passage. And this is what's been making my heart beat. And so I started reading it and I started catching this, this feeling like, John, I think this is it. I think this is what we've been waiting and praying for. And what catch, catches me about this passage is that you got a picture of Paul in prison writing. Um, through sending this letter through Epaphras, he sends this letter to these people in Colossae, and his heart is breaking for a group of people he's never met. He's never been there. This group was started. This church was started by Epaphras. It's been raised, and now it's kind of dwindling, and it's going through some things in the city. There's different ways of looking. They're trying to make things more complicated than it needs to be. And I just picture Paul in his prison cell, sitting there. And him saying, you have no idea how much I've labored for you. And I've never even seen you. And I think to myself, that's the kind of vision and heart I want. I want that. I want time in my day where I am sitting here thinking about Seattle. And people always say, man, you're thinking too small. I get you. I want to think about the world too. But I really want to make sure that there is a city that's got my heart, that I start thinking about people going into their work every day, and at the end of the day, when they have found the emptiness of whatever they're in, and they think, the world ends with me, and the loneliness and the darkness that they feel, I want that to break my heart the way it broke Paul's. I want that. And my belief and this comes partly from having done this in the city of Milwaukee, is that it takes a group of people coming together and saying, I commit. Amen. I'll meet with you. I'm in for a specific amount of time. Start in the fall, end in the summer. 
I will say no to other things that come up that are very good opportunities for this thing. I will choose in some ways to make less money for this thing. I will choose to say no to certain opportunities for this thing. I think God takes a group of people like that at certain times and in certain places and says, great, when you lock in now, let me send you and let me go get those people because I love them. Every single one of them. Every single one of them. I had them in my eye when I'm on the cross. Every single one of them. And I want to use you to go reach them. So that's what goes through my mind when we see this prayer, this model of Paul with a heart that beats like that for a city. I want that. And I, and, and I believe that when we join together, when we commit there's something about this last level. There's something about a yes from here to here that for me takes it to a different level of what God, God's going to do. And here, the vision that I have, and I've told John, I've asked John if it's okay for me to say this because this is how I think. I honestly, goodness, would love for this room to be too small. I really would. I remember when I was working at this church and the church was getting bigger and bigger and people were in there and it's kind of cozy like this. I get that. They were like, what are we going to do about these people that keep coming? We're getting bigger and bigger. What are we going to do? And he goes, get bigger. That's what we're going to do. We're going to get bigger. I love the fact that he took that. There can be that shame around numbers. I'm not talking about numbers. I'm talking about lives. And I don't believe that this is the only place for everybody. I am so glad that Marcel is doing what they're doing. I'm so glad that the Methodist Church down the street is doing what they're doing. But there is a voice here at UPC and a place here at UPC that I think could reach a lot of people that need to have a place where they can engage their spirit and their mind and their heart. I think UPC does a good job of that. And I think we're in a prime place to go reach them. But I would love it if there comes a time not too soon where these walls don't fit all of us anymore. And the reason why is because there's something about this group of people. I'm hoping for three years from now that whoever's saying yes to this, getting their application, filling it out, going through the interview process, committing this, I'm hoping that there's somewhere where we can all look back together and go, remember when? Remember when we used to fit up in Geneva? And that we're having to raise our voice because it's too loud in there from all the people talking that got reached because the Spirit took a group of people and said, let's go get Seattle. Let's do it. So, I get so fired up. That's it. There's a sense, that, and this is where you kind of wonder exactly what's going on. I, I mentioned, you guys know, we're, we're going through a time of reduction. And that's a painful time in our church, just like a lot of churches are, just a lot, like a lot of companies are. And yet, Here's the opportunity. Here's the opportunity, and it's something that we—I know you guys get, because I've walked with you in the midst of this—is that in the time of reduction, we're going to have to then say, okay, there's not as much staff, there's not as much resources necessarily. So that means we're going to have to depend on God to do more among us. It means that it's going to be not necessarily about staff people, but it's going to be about you, us as a community, reaching out to Seattle. There's huge opportunity in the midst of this. There's huge opportunity in the midst of this place because this place is a multi-generational church, been here for 100 years. Okay, The thing that I love about this place 
is that there are babies and there are people who are turning a hundred. This is a rich, rich place. And there are people throughout the my years here who have said, how do I, how do I come along? How do I bring up the next generation? How can I invest in the next generation? I don't have to go look for those people. They're here. What we just need to do is figure out a way in which we can begin to work together, a process, and, and that's what this is really about. My goal when you leave this place is that you will have the tools to continue to run hard after Jesus no matter where you're going, whether you stay here or, or, or not, whether you get called across the city or across the world, that you will leave this place equipped to run hard after Jesus. And that means that you get worship. It means that you have a small group of people that have invested in you. You know what that looks like and, and you can develop that again. People who have who have come alongside you and encouraged you and, and even called you out in ways that you need to get called out. I want you to know where your gifts are and where those gifts can be used uh, better in your places of work, but also uh, in service of God's church throughout the world. And I want you to at least be growing because this is a lifelong process in a biblical knowledge. In, in a Your story is rooted in the biblical story and not in the story that we we see in the newspapers or the story that we, we get on TV, but we actually can critique the stories that we get all the time because of the vision that we have, a biblical vision, a kingdom vision, in which God is too small to fit in a room. Mm-hmm. But, but grounded, and that's what Paul keeps getting at. He says, I want you to be grounded. I yeah. want you to be instructed. Yeah. I want you to be firm so that when these things get fling, flung at you, there's a sense of you've read some of the books in a community where you've talked about it and you've you've learned what is your what where does your faith come yeah. from what does it mean to be Christian what does it mean to to think with with a with a Christian Orthodox what does it mean so that you can answer with a sense of I've learned I've spent some time in serious discussion and 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 learning that's that's Paul's total heartbeat for them absolutely so here's the deal next steps. Uh, if you if you want to be a part of, of this, fill out an application by June one. Uh, sign up for an interview uh, in the back, uh, and then pray. Okay, this is this is the, discipleship programs. Convergence discipleship is not the only thing we need to be praying as a community. I just would ask that that you will be continuing to pray along for me and my and Amber and, and our leadership team, and for all those who are going to feel like they're going to get led into this. Pray that God would accomplish in and through us more than we can. Ask or even imagine. Can I say one last thing? Yeah. Okay, so the last thing I would say is, we really, John and I have talked about this. The danger of doing something like this is that it can feel like you're setting up sort of a those who are really committed and those who aren't. I really yeah. want to make sure we emphasize that this is not a tiered thing. This is This is something that I think every ministry that's going to have an impact in its local community has eventually got to formalize some place where there's an entry point, a solid, concrete commitment, and then an exit point. Every place that's going to do that has got to eventually have that. So that's what this is. And so if this is something where you pray about this and you go, you know what, there's a good chance that I'm going to be leaving in the middle of next year. That's a reasonable thing that I I think God is going to be potentially opening doors for me up in the middle of, of, of next January. Then then this is not the thing for you, and that's okay. And then what we want you to do is just keep coming and bring your friends and, and, and be that light in the city. For some of you, though, you're looking around and you're going, ah... 
I, I've been feeling that itch in my spirit to c- commit to something, like to give my yes to something. It's time. I can't control having my spouse at the right time or finding the love of my life, but I can say yes, Lord, to this. And that's the people that we want this for. Does that make sense? So no shame at all in this thing. Little counselor's coming out of me. No shame. We're not talking about a shame thing. This is a thing that is hopefully, for some of you, exactly the scratch to the itch you've been feeling. So, yeah. Yeah. That's good. My point in bringing out those, those things is, is this. I don't care how you get there. You can get there a lot of different ways. You, you might already have a great small group. You might already have a great ministry. You might already get worship. You might already have that place of growth. Great. That's all. That's simply my heart. Because if if, if you have those things, I, I think you're getting on, on. You're getting pretty far down the road on, on beginning to press into what Paul's talking about. That's simply my heart for you. That's my heart for this ministry. Uh, whether this is going to be the last time you come here or not, my hope is that you will begin to grow in the knowledge of God, to understand the power that is at work in you, and to overflow with joy.